Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. Michael Beller is running the Alternate Universe Cubs, and we'll check in to see how they're doing. Plus, we'll profile a pair of slugging outfielders. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had the three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, April 21st. Al Melchior here along with Michael Beller. And uh, Michael, let's start this off on a non-baseball note. Uh, this past weekend, it seemed that the uh, the whole world was watching uh, the Michael Jordan documentary. <laughs> yes, indeed. But not me. So uh, I'm going to guess that you watched the, for the first episodes. Um, I did. It was, uh, it was a riveting watch. I uh, am a child of the 90s who grew up in Chicago. I was born in 1984. So don't really remember that first three-peat. I was like six, seven, eight years old for those first three championships. But I remember uh, the second three-peat very well and uh, loved those Bulls teams as any kid growing up in Chicago did. So yes, me, my friends, pretty much everyone I know was tuned into it. Thought it was great and really excited for the rest of the series. All right. Well, I I, know I definitely missed out. Um, I was watching more uh, baseball from Taiwan (laughs) instead. So uh, I, I, you know, I maybe I missed out, but I can't say I regret my choice. Uh, (laughs) It was a lot of fun. And uh, there's a fantastic piece by Mark Kerrig uh, on The Athletic about the uh, two announcers that are doing the English uh, English language broadcast. And they are fantastic. They make it even more fun than it already is, which is really saying something. So check that out. We'll have more on that a little bit later on. But uh, let's get to the meat of the show. And the meat of the show, Michael Beller, is about you. Uh, you running... Gonna be, we're going to have to submit this one for an award. Of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, already, you know, a couple minutes into it, I think it's worthy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you are running the Alternate Universe Cubs. And, you know, in the, the name of equal time, uh, DVR and I each got to discuss our respective teams in the uh, out-of-the-park Alternate Universe League. So, uh, you know, you, you deserve your equal time. You're running the Cubs. So just in general, before we get into a few specifics of uh, how the team is performing in the first uh, – Let's see how many games so far. I know I've got your. We are twenty-two uh, and sixteen, so thirty-eight yes. games. All right, so almost a quarter of the season already. Uh, it's flying by. So we'll get to a few of the particulars, but in general, any lessons learned either about the Cubs as an organization or about running a fantasy team or whatever strikes your fancy. Yeah, you know, I uh, at the start of the season, I tried to play it exactly straight how the Cubs were going to play it. So as an example, uh, Chris Bryant's my leadoff man, Anthony Rizzo's hitting second, Javi Baez is hitting third. That's what David Ross said he was going to do coming into the season, and I wanted it to be as true as possible to that, at least to start the year. Uh, and that's worked out really well. Uh, the one thing that hasn't necessarily worked out well that the Cubs are going to be leaning on is the um, the middle part of the rotation. You Darvish has been a reliable guy, a very consistent starter for uh, the TA 
AAU Cubs, the Athletic Alternate Universe Cubs, uh, pretty much from the get-go this season. John Lester's numbers are good, but perhaps a little bit misleading and worrying of regression a little later down the road. Uh, Kyle Hendricks is a little bit in the reverse of that right now, but still not great numbers. Jose Quintana uh, has an ERA up north of four, uh, getting given up a one and a half walks and hits per inning pitched. Uh, so that rotation starting to look a little shaky beyond you, Darvish. Now, this is just a matter of waiting it out because you mentioned both uh, Hendricks and Lester. I mean, Lester's got a 192 BABIP in the game. So whatever, if that were real life, I mean, there were no, there's pretty much nothing he could do to uh, realistically sustain that for the remaining three-fourths of the season. Hendricks is a guy who has consistently been a better-than-average pitcher on balls and play, and he's been just distinctively, or distinctly, I should say, uh, worse on balls and play with a 327 BABIP. So... Uh, is there anything that you need to do or can you just wait for those things to correct themselves and, and know that the rotation is going to be fine anyway? You know, I think that ultimately the rotation is going to play the way I expected it to, that being uh, Darvish uh, uh, being uh, perhaps a legitimate ace and certainly a guy who we can count on every single time he takes the ball. Hendricks being a very reliable number two who has his number one games from time to time, and then a little bit dodgy uh, as we get into the 3-4-5 spots. You know, Tyler Chatwood has actually been pretty good. Uh, three quality starts in his last four trips to the mound. The numbers look ugly because he gave up something like eight earned runs in, in one and two-thirds innings in his first start of the season and still hasn't had nearly enough time to fully even that out, but has actually been a, a pretty reliable guy for the most part, and he was someone who I was interested in both uh, in the TAAU and in real life coming into the season. He was someone who I was going to be keeping my eye on because we know this stuff is is pretty legitimate, at least as far as a number 5 starter goes. And I thought that he could have ended up uh, on the fantasy radar as a staff filler uh, if he was able to get off to a strong start. So encouraged to see what he's been able to do thus far. But yes, if, uh, if we stay in contention, and uh, right now the Cubs are uh, three games behind the Cardinals in the NL Central, holding on to the second wildcard spot in the National League, if that stays the course, then could see us getting active in the starting pitching market as we get a little closer to the trade deadline. All right. And yeah, there was you know, something going into the season that appeared to be a little bit of a, a weakness for the team. So that makes sense. Another thing, too, coming into the season that maybe was not a, a widely shared sentiment, but there was a little nugget uh, back in the, the offseason, the, you know, the scheduled offseason uh, from Patrick Mooney, who covers the Cubs for the Athletic. And he was saying that you know, don't sleep on. Uh, Rowan Wick as potential closer for the Cubs if uh, Craig Kimbrell happens to struggle. Now, in the alternate universe, Craig Kimbrell is back to being vintage Craig Kimbrell. Uh, he's been fantastic. So uh, I don't know if that can really speak to anything we could expect from Craig Kimbrell in an actual 2020 season, but how do you see the Cubs' bullpen situation? Uh, do you think it's something that potentially could be up for grabs in a real season? Uh, yes, I do. I do. Um, I, you know, we'll have to wait and see what what sort of pitcher Kimbrel uh, might be coming into this year. You know, last year uh, there was a school of thought that having the first half of the season off would work to his advantage. A guy who, you know, he's not he's not old, but he's not young either. Um, so maybe uh, having that half season extra to rest his arm would be a good thing. And we saw it was far from a good thing for Kimbrel this year. You've got Jeremy Jeffress now as a big part of the bullpen. Brandon Morrow, who knows exactly where his health is going to be. And then there are a few pit, there are a few teams uh, in the league that can feel great about their bullpen beyond those first couple of guys, beyond the guys that they're going to be leaning on as 
um, you know, the closer and the first couple of setup men. So I don't think the Cubs are unique in that they have some questions about guys like Rowan Wick, even though uh, Patrick did say that he could be someone who could uh, be a sleeper closer for the team, like Brad Wick, uh, Jarrell Cotton, and Alec Mills as long guys who maybe could move into the rotation depending on how things play out. It's a bullpen with a lot of question marks. I think there's a good amount of talent there too. So uh, like a lot of teams in the majors, a wide range of potential outcomes for the Cubs in the bullpen. Yeah, now uh, Bradwick, uh, you know, I would certainly in a real season root for him to have a significant role because his name is spelled like Week, <laughs> and you could have a team called Week Sauce. Mm. How about that? I don't know if you want to name your own team that, but uh, yeah, like, that's something. You know, it is ironic, you know, <laughs> self, uh, you know. Uh, would you have to have Bradwick on your fantasy team, though, for that to work? Oh, I think so. <laughs> so then, uh, what other- kind of team are you talking about? Because otherwise, you'd just be totally reaching. Yeah. But then that's like an and that's like a that's like a eighteen team NL only league. It is. Well, I'm saying you know if if he could climb the ladder and yeah, you know, you be be the closer or you know, at least a impact setup uh, guy. That's yeah, probably just just gonna be a dream for me this year. But uh, well, let's move on to the offensive side because I think that's where maybe there's room for you, at least from my perspective. Um, and tell me if your perspective is different on this. I think that's where there's room to make some moves. Uh, Ian Happ has certainly been a disappointment for you so far. He has regressed. In terms of strikeout rate, not in a good way. Uh, striking out in uh, roughly a third of his plate appearances. And uh, just not good production overall. And Jason Kipnis, I think, he, if I recall, he started out pretty well for you, but mm-hmm. has uh, slumped. So are there? Do you, are you looking to uh, upgrade those areas in the uh, shorter term? Yeah, Hap's the bigger concern. Uh, we handed him the uh, center field job to start the season, or at least an everyday job. We got him playing center. Um, against righties and then him moving over to right field with Jason Hayward hitting the bench and Albert Almora starting in center against lefties. So one way or another, Ian Happ's been in there every single day and he has been a big disappointment to this point of the season, striking out in about one-third of his plate appearances, not really hitting for a ton of power. He's drawn some walks, but that's about all he is doing thus far. So that is a little bit of a concern. Kipnis, uh, you know, started out very hot. He's hitting righties very well to start the season and came down with a little bout of uh, knee tendonitis. Cost him about a week's worth of games, not bad enough to go on the IL. Uh, So I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass there, especially since the second base platoon between him and David Bodie has been working out all right with Bodie starting against lefties and Kipnis starting out against righties. So even though Kipnis' numbers on the face aren't great, if you combine Kipnis versus righties and Bodie versus lefties and Nico Horner getting the occasional start in there as well, not getting uh, a, a, you know poor production out of the second base position. So still willing to give Kipnis a little bit longer of a look uh, as the starter against right-handed pitching. Okay. Uh, well, as I recall, I don't have your team stats in front of me. I think Kyle Schwarber is maybe off to a bit of a slow start. Uh, but let's focus on him as one of our player profiles today. We'll pair him. Actually, you paired him up with Framel Reyes. And I know that uh, you'd said that you made these pairings more or less random. But, I mean, this is a perfect pairing because Kyle Schwarber and Framel Reyes, very, very similar players in, in almost every possible way. Uh, and they're also similar in that they're being drafted uh, far below where uh, their projected value would be. Now, I... Um, I looked at the ATC projections, but really there's there's a lot of consensus uh, around how Schwarber and Reyes are expected to uh, perform in 2020. And again, these are you know still the full season projections. So if you prorate it, I imagine that would remain the same. But uh, Schwarber, 
according to the ATC projections, would be 29th among outfielders in projected roto value this year. Reyes, 26th, just a few spots ahead of him. And drafters are viewing it the same way. They like Reyes a little bit better than Schwarber. But Reyes is being, his ADP on Fantasy Pros is 36th. And again, that's compared to 26th in projected value. 36th among outfielders for Framel Reyes. Schwarber uh, trailing him a bit, 41st in Fantasy Pros ADP. So I know we typically handle these uh, player profiles separately, but because the players are so similar, I do want to do some comparisons here. So why do you think both players are being apparently underrated? It's a good question, Alan. I can't really explain it because these are two guys who I like quite a bit. I mean, these guys both hit the ball hard. They both draw walks. They're both going to hit a lot of homers. They're going to hit in the middle of their lineups. They're both in uh, pretty good lineups. I mean, if you look at the the batters who you expect to be hitting in front of these guys for Schwarber, you've got Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, maybe Wilson Contreras. I don't know, you know, but it's going to be uh, Schwarber and Contreras right there in the four or five spots. For Fran Mil Reyes, uh, you've got Francisco Lindor, uh, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Mercado. I mean, you've got guys who uh, you would figure are going to be able to get on base in front of both of these guys. I think they're going to have some uh, some real RBI opportunities. Carlos Santana, another guy as well who should hit in front of Fran Mil Reyes. He's always been an on-base machine uh, his entire career. So I think these guys are both sneaky bets to you know be among the RBI leaders, to be among the home run leaders. Uh, I understand there's a little bit of batting average risk, but not enough to offset the gains that you get elsewhere with these two guys, especially when you consider the draft day price on both of them. Uh, Al, these are two guys who have ended up on a lot of my teams, guys who I've targeted uh, in pretty much every single draft that I've gone into. If I can only have one, I do prefer Fran Mil Reyes just a little bit because I just think that he is a legitimate threat to lead the majors in homers. And in fact, that is uh, somewhere where, where I, I let my money go where my mouth is before everything got shut down. I actually made a little wager on Fran Mil Reyes to lead the majors in home runs this season at 40 to 1 odds and it was one I was really excited about but I can't explain it because these are two guys who I really really like and I think they no matter what you've done to that point of your draft they can fit any brand of fantasy team do you think that Kyle Schwarber has lived up to the the rookie hype that he had and I realize this is going back a ways now but I, I just find it curious that when he came up I just remember there was so much excitement in the fantasy community uh, uh, around him and uh you know, he had an injury plague season and uh, then following that year uh, certainly didn't meet expectations. But, I, you know, in 2019, I felt like he did a lot to re-earn the, the trust of people who were really excited about him. And uh, it just seems like, and I think it's reflected in the ADP, it just didn't happen. And so is this maybe just my, my particular filter or is that narrative you see with Schwarber too, that he came, came in with all this hype and he sort of has become a, a post-hype bargain. Yeah, I think there there is definitely an element of him being a victim of his own expectations or of the expectations that were placed on him after that rookie year and then after what he did in the World Series in 2016 after missing that entire season, shredded his knee the first week of the year, uh, doesn't come back until the World Series and then is, you know, arguably the best player that the Cubs had going in the World Series, at least in the games he was able to play with the DH in Cleveland. Um, I do think that there is an element of that and I'm surprised it didn't get washed away more after what he did in the 
second half last season because it is no stretch to say that he was one of the very best hitters in all of baseball in the second half last year. 280, 366 OBP, 631 slugging percentage, 20 homers in 257 plate appearances. I mean, that is living up to the expectations and then some if those were the sort of numbers that he had over a full 162-game season. So I expected that to lead him to a higher draft standing this year than was the case. Uh, And again, it's just more reason why I think he is a strong, strong buy in the 2020 season if there is one, and if there isn't, then in the 2021 season. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, and you know, I, I, it's not always a, a good idea, and I've pr- done this too often really for my own good, but to put too much weight on a second half of a preceding season, but it fits a certain narrative with Kyle Schwarber that that I'm buying into, that he's better than uh, than the public seems to, seems to think uh, based on the ADP. And uh, just to get back to the Cubs in general, uh, you were just uh, mentioning to me uh, right before we were going on air here that you are doing a weekly write-up on your alternate universe Cubs. So um, certainly be looking forward to seeing that and to just alert people to that. Uh, and while we are talking about things to read, uh, I mentioned before, there's the great piece by Mark Kerrig on the uh, two broadcasters uh, for the uh, Chinese Professional Baseball League. Definitely check that out. But Jay Jaffe also uh, put something out on Monday that was fantastic on fan graphs, sorting out who's who in Taiwanese baseball is a welcome challenge uh, and who's who a little play on uh, the last name Hu. So it's who's and then H-U who uh, by Jay Jaffe. And uh, he actually links to the Mark Carrick piece, but he uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a primer to Taiwanese baseball and it's fantastic. So um, definitely check that out. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up here for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get 40% off a subscription. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. You can also uh, take The Athletic for a 90-day free trial spin if you prefer to go that route. But either way, everything that we do is a part of the subscription. If you're listening to this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would certainly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. For Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier. We'll be back here on Wednesday.